This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wow. You know, it's funny listening to it today. I just hear it with all new ears um, yeah, because um, I'm missing two of my ears. To, I'd like to welcome you. Uh, first of all, thank you, Eli Braden, for that wonderful theme song, because today's episode is really just doing it with Danny and to a lesser extent, our wonderful producer guy. Um, and I don't actually no. I think I'm going to make you an equal partner today. Uh, Jenny is... Um, off on a top secret gig that I'm sure she'll be excited to tell you about uh, when she gets back. And I've never done a solo episode. Um, and uh, I, I, that has to be very insulting. Am I insulting you guys that it's a solo episode? No, it is a solo episode. It's doing it with Danny and Jenny without Jenny. So it's yeah. doing it with Danny, right? It's, yeah, it's, but it feels a little bit like just going to see Oats. Yeah. <laughs> or an Andrew Ridgely concert. No, I, for me, it's very exciting because like, I was thinking, I don't know if you had an idea about what you want to talk about on the show, but I'm like, wow, I have a few minutes with Danny Zucker. And I know yeah. I've known you for many, many years. Many but, years. But, you know, to the outside world, I mean, Danny Zucker, you're an executive producer extraordinaire. You've had so much success. And oh like, God. you know, if, if I just tell a layman, I know, and, and you're, you're being, you know, jokey like you like to do. But like, if I tell somebody I work with, hey, I got to sit with Danny Zucker last night and talked to him for 15 minutes. I'm like, wow, that's pretty freaking cool. So what is Guy going to ask Danny Zucker? So a, a couple things that-, that I just about you just cut you off. Are, yeah. are you hitting on me? I, I mean, a little bit if you're okay, interested, cool. but- And I, I wish, swing I, that way. I normally, wish you but, followed me around all the time because most of the time I feel like utter garbage and a failure. So this is fantastic. No, you're cool. Like, oh, dude, you, first of all, you just got off of, and I say just fine, probably in the last year, Right. But you just got off of Modern Family, like one of the yes. most successful TV shows in history. Yeah. Um, do you keep up with anybody from Modern Family? I mean, I know you're close to Stone, Stone Street. I do. Yeah, I do. I'm working. It's funny. I just uh, um, yeah, there's a whole crew of people I, you know, we, we talk to some to a lesser extent than others. And of course, you know, people get involved in their own stuff. Yeah. But um, is it the I'm, Elaine Coes or is it I, the Eric Stone Street that you're talking to still? Both, but I, I actually have talked. I've talked to both of them less than I'd like to. I I, um, I wound up um, f- funny enough. Like one, I'm working on a show right now on for Fox called um, Housebroken. I'm yes. consulting producer on that um, hilarious show. show. And one of the creators of that show, a woman by the name of Jen Crittenden, she's also just a brilliant writer. Wrote on Seinfeld, Raymond, Veep, 
has a resume he would kill for and is worthy of it. She's that good, um, as is her partner, Gabby Allen. Um, but uh, Jen um, is married to a guy I wrote with for many years on Modern Family, uh, Bill Rubel, who is now writing on uh, Ted Lasso. So he, oh, wow. so he's he can pick them too. He just he he. I got to see him up on the Emmy stage without me. It was very painful. <laughs> uh, but uh, and I got to talk to him and uh, um, you know relive it with a little distance. It's been, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a nice. It's true. I mean, that was all. It's it's all a nice memory. But I'm I'm one of those people, and I think I, I've talked to a lot of people who are like this. At least my friends. I think people who are more confident. I can't be friends with. But. Uh, um, I've talked to a lot of people who are, are I've, and this has been me forever. I'm always convinced that the job I'm working on will be the last job I ever have. I, I, I felt that way for 30 years. And, yeah. and then as you get older, you have more reason to think it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> uh, but, uh, um, but now I, 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 you know, I'm not, uh, I, I'm putting off looking for a teaching post for another year. And so are you just on the, the one show or are you working on multiple shows right now? Well, I'm working on that show. And then the company that does that show is part of like a little thing. I'm, I'm supervising. Well, I'm, I'm officially supervising two pilots. One, I'm pitch, one that I'm pitching on Monday. Oh, wow. And one that I'll pitch a little later on in the week um, with, um, yeah, two women. Um, one's, a, one's kind of a, a, a first-time writer who wrote a brilliant script. I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to give anything away. And, mm -hmm. and um, the other woman... She's a filmmaker actually, and had uh, a piece of IP. She's an Indian American and had, and I was very much interested in not telling another white guy story. I'm, I'm as sick as, um, I'm as sick of my life as, as I think most of America is of seeing like angsty white guys. So uh, it, it's just nice to help like someone else bring their vision to the, you know, to the screen in some way. Yes. So that's been fun. Okay, and are either of these, because look, we all know, you said this on the show a million freaking times, like yeah. they're pilots, right? They're like, yeah. it's almost like, a, I can't, I'm not counting on this thing going anywhere, right? But do either of the them, time. do they ever, either of them, or do they always feel like they have legs? Like, I guess you don't do it if they don't feel like they have legs, right? Like, that's exactly it. I mean, honestly, there's a process. I mean, I, that's not true. I've been sort of like, had to, there, there have been pilots that I've sort of had, like, I've had to do because I was under a deal. And it was like, they weren't perfunctory and I did the best job I could, but I could see problems with it. I could, you know, I could see like, oh, it's not necessarily a show I would watch. And that I, I, I try not to do that anymore. And I think both of the shows that I'm pitching um, from these women um, are without a doubt shows I would watch. I, so, so yeah. And I think you have to fall in love with them a little bit. You have to, as much as you have to can say, if, you, if you're sitting there the whole time when you're writing and you're going, this will never go, you, you can't work. So you have to be like, you have to get yourself into a state where you deny reality, but the better part of you knows, yeah, everything's a long shot. I mean, I, I you know, um, the, one of the best pilots I ever wrote, I wrote during the pandemic with Kevin Nealon. And we were utterly certain that would go. I mean, and we had yeah. stars attached and everything. And then that didn't go. And it was like, oh, fuck. You know, so um, it's very, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's tricky. It's hard. But you, I tell people all the time that show business is just, it's a getting punched in the face contest. I mean, ultimately, there's no shame in like throwing up the white flag if you've been punched in the face for five years. But if you can take it, you keep going. I mean, that's, that's what it is, so. And are these shows comedies? Yeah, both are comedies. One's a fairly 
one's a darker comedy, um, which I like. And then one's more kind of a straight ahead ensemble workplace comedy, but it's multi-ethnic and interesting. So this may be the smartest question I ever asked or the I dumbest question I've ever asked. I'm, can you. I bet? I'm going to bet yeah. on. Well, I've asked some pretty stupid questions to you specifically, yeah, so yeah. I don't know that that's fair. But um, it just popped into my head and I never really thought about it. I never thought of you, you know, I didn't put you in a bucket, right? But yeah. is Danny Zucker a comedy writer or is Danny Zucker a writer? I mean, I think I'm primarily a comedy writer, but, I, you know, I, 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 I'm certainly to the world a comedy writer. I would say this, though. Um, I think a good comedy writer can always write drama. I think without a doubt, because we have to do the same thing. It's, it's basically, we have, still have to tell a story, but we have to make it funny. And you still have to have characters that you like, but we have to make it funny. So we're doing all the things that, that drama writers do. It doesn't mean we'll be a good drama writer necessarily. It doesn't, you know, you still have to have, come, have interesting stories and be able to arc out a story. But, you know, a lot of, you know, when you think about the dramas that have been like very successful, whether it's like Mad Men with Matt Weiner or like um, Alan Ball's stuff, you know, uh, on, um, on HBO, uh, um, uh, was the nursing home one? Why am I free? I mean, the funeral home, um, Six Feet Under, Six Feet Under, um, which a show I love. I can't believe I didn't remember it. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think you can do it. The opposite, though, is not true. It's very hard. Like, if you, if you have been in drama, it's just because comedy writing is just like the, the act of, like, creating humor. That's like a really, that's a, that's a weird skill. I mean, there are comedy writers, I know, sadly, who are very good at it. Um, yeah. uh, so, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I've told this story before. I, I but uh, during the last writer's strike about 13 years ago, Right after work, the, uh, I, I wasn't getting hired on anything. And Noah Hawley, who's now gone on to great success with like Fargo and all that kind of stuff, he, he had a cop show in New York and he liked um, a spec kind of dark, kind of a drama, but comical that I had written and hired me, he took a flyer on me. And uh, I went to New York and shot this thing called The Unusual, the, um, yeah, The Unusuals. And Jeremy Renner was the star right before, um, it was right before Hurt Locker broke and he broke as a big star. And there was a lot, of, a lot of good people on it. But he wanted a comic element. And I remember being in that room when other drama writers were writing these gritty top show things. And they go, I could really use something funny here. Like, could I get out of the scene on a joke? And they come in to my office and go, well, maybe they could say blah, blah, blah. And I swear, I was treated like some weird shaman. Like, what? It's like, yeah, I felt like the I felt like the funniest human being who ever walked the face of the earth because these drama writers, it was like they really they were not used to people who could do that. I then, after that, got hired on Modern Family back with comedy writers. Mm -hmm. and, I and I remember being in the room for one of our first rewrites where we're pitching a joke or first uh, story things and we're pitching jokes. And there's a moment, a perfect moment to pitch a joke. And this other writer, Brad Walsh, one of the best comedy writers on earth beats me to the joke and it's like i haven't beaten to a joke in a year i felt very weird it was like my game had atrophied yeah but did it feel like good though because now you're now you're in with your people right oh, I love, like, I, I, you're I, some I, weirdo that can tell jokes yeah i i comedy writers are my people i mean I, I i i i love 
I love people in comedy. I mean, because now there's a challenge, right? How do you one up him after he just stole what you what came out of your head, basically? Yeah, no, no. You uh, you know, I think people who are confident really take. There's a moment if you're struggling or for competitive people, I guess we're like you view someone else getting the laugh as like a deficit to yourself. And I'm, I suppose I've had that at points in my career and moments of insecurity. But for the most part, I think the good ones, I mean, I for me, I take so much joy in someone else telling a great joke. Like if someone beats me to a great joke or has a better take on a great joke, I'll play like, oh, I'm so jealous of that joke. But I'm like, also like, I love it. It's like, I'm in awe of like, it. I, I can yeah. appreciate the skill of it. I mean, I, I just really, their success does not affect me. I always tell people like your other people's success doesn't affect you. But, right. You know, yeah. to do Everybody that. can have a piece of the pie. Yeah. Um, speaking of modern family, by the way, I just got to say like my favorite, one of my favorite things all time with modern family. It's a great episode in general uh-huh. is your cameo episode. And <laughs> you know, the line, the famous line, uh, I see you I met, see my, you wife. met my wife. Right. And how many times I've asked you this in private, but I do want to ask this. How many times did you practice that? Say that line. How many times did you decide that's the way I'm going to say it and then change it? Like, what was that like? I would say conservatively. So the way that had arisen was this. I had put Abraham Higginbotham, one of our writers, had had pitched a bit for one of my episodes. And he and like he he acted it out and walked out and he is he has acted and he you know is a, has a performer background but um and wound we I wound up saying like well he should do it it's like it was just it was like a quick throwaway scene and I thought like he should absolutely do it no one's better and uh, wound up hiring him and uh, he was in my episode and he simply returned the favor on that episode uh, go bullfrogs. And, um, and, and wisely and graciously just gave me one line, um, which was, um, I see you've met my wife. And basically I pull up in, in, in the episode, uh, Mission Cam have gotten from the valet a different man's Prius. <laughs> and they've imagined an entire story about the Prius. And, and they think like he's like this brilliant guy. And then his wife, comes and beats the shit out of their Prius. So then I drive up to their house in a Prius, looking at the beat up Prius. And my line is, I see you've met my wife. Um, I said that line over and over and over again from the minute I got, so for a week, <laughs> a, a good week, I must've said it a thousand times. And, and then, but that's not the bad part. The bad part is this. Since then, up until recently, I would still say that line thinking how I could have done it better. <laughs> what I didn't know and why there was extra pressure on doing it, because it's just one line. And again, I'm acting in the scene with like Jesse Tyler Ferguson and Eric Stone Street, arguably like two of the great TV people of all time. What ne- almost never happened at Modern Family was we didn't shoot late into the night. A handful of times we would. This was one of the, this turned out to be the second latest we had shot. I got to the set, I think at midnight, 1 a.m., which is oh, wow. late for us yeah. on a cold night. And because another scene hadn't gone well. So I was, that was the last thing we were shooting. So it had to go right. So everybody's exhausted. And then I come in and do this. What I didn't know I would have to do is I didn't know I was going to have to drive the Prius 
hit a mark and oh, then wow. say the line. Like I thought like I could just be parked and they find no, you're gonna drive right. the Prius and 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 it up. And I was and so yeah, I missed the drive up mark. I, I felt like I never did the line poorly, but I did it okay. It's one line. But I, I did the driving poorly. I missed the line three times. And Eric and Jesse were just giving me such a hard time, totally good naturedly, but right, uh, but right. it was getting really under my skin. So and so you kind of settled with a like it was exhausted, right? That's how you deliver the line. Like, see, you met my wife. It kind of yes. it kind of went up a little inflection at the end, as I recall. Yeah, I see you met my wife. Oh, There's a question behind that. How would you have done it differently? You obviously have an idea. No, I don't. I, I, I just, I, there's a million different ways. And like, and they're all very subtle. And I'm not, I thought about this way too much. I can't commit this to, to, a, to a podcast. <laughs> we can't, can't have a second. I, I can't okay. live in this horror for another second. It's like the Baba Booey pitch, you know, Gary Delabate from the Howard Stern show, you know, choked on the pitcher's mound. And now they're like, you should go back and do a second pitch to make up for it. It's like, no, why would I want to? Yeah. Except that you didn't choke and he did. But I, I did this as a quick segue because we'll get, you know, we're gonna about to get to like what we've been watching because I think yeah, that's no, the please. Yeah. most important thing. And, and a, a nice commercial, I'm sure, in a second here because you love commercials, Danny. I love I commercials. That. I love our sponsors. So Howard Stern, I, you know, I'm a big Howard Stern fan. And so I work for the gets- guy and I, not only do I work for the guy, but you're, and you are a much bigger fan than I am. I listen to every single show. Like I, I just like uh, listen on the app. So I stop and go and like, so I listen to every second of every show. So Danny Zucker gets brought up often. Um, yeah. Danny Zucker, fine, whatever. It's still Danny. But, yeah. but the, the one that bothered me the other day, and I told you this was you, Gary Delabate was your roommate. And yeah. he called you Zucker the other day. He said, yeah, oh yeah, Danny Zucker. And I'm like, what you know better, Gary? He, uh, yeah, people. You know, I was always. I will say this until I, you know, when I got to college or like just after college, because I, I was always like, um, I was never really a big enforcer of of it at all. I it just never mattered to me. And then I mm-hmm. started like performing and getting notoriety. And I started saying, "Oh God, I'm gonna, I have to like keep up pronunciation." But it just was never. It was. It, I guess it was just like it, it was never an issue to me mm-hmm. um, seem to bother others more for me my name is spelled zucker z-u-k-e-r a lot of my family says zucker that's how they mm-hmm. pronounce it when i started to get into a situation where like i needed people to know my name and spell it right without a c i said i made it long you just because it looks like zucker so hopefully they wouldn't they still fucking put the c in so it was not right. it was an experiment but um but uh yeah so it never it never bothered me i didn't like zucker Zucker's okay. You can okay. You can handle the Zucker. And when you when your name does come up on Howard Stern, how many people contact you? It's bananas. It's bananas. I like. I've had. I've appeared on TV. I've like. I've. I've been. Uh, I've had my name on hundreds and hundreds of hours of television. I never get more people and random people reaching out to me. Then when Stern drops my name, and then it was like a kind of a one-two punch because it was like Howard and and um and Jim Jimmy and um, yes. and and you know so that, that, that was, was a, that, that was a nice one. My friend Danny Zucker actually is how he's you a, were referred. He's, he's become he's a he's become a really nice he's a good friend I and mean, he's been very nice to me throughout. Uh, the he seems like a genuinely like good person. He's like, a better not he's a, a better fish. guy than I'll certainly ever be. So, <laughs> yeah, he is. He's, he's very. Really decent, really decent dude. And then I and I and Molly, his wife, is as he's been on the show, is yeah. just 
super smart, super funny, and um, just like really awake, you know, really like. In, yeah, you know, she's great. She's great on Twitter. Um, by the way, I just want to mention really quickly, because I don't think I've ever said this to you or Jenny, but uh, I'm going to give you maybe a, a multiple choice. What former guest of ours okay. likes every Instagram, watches every Instagram story? Do you need a, a, a one, two, and three? Yeah, I need one, two, and three. Okay. Um, Anne Murray, Carrie Byron, Nancy Wilson. Okay. Well, I literally just saw Carrie this weekend. Um, and we oh, are, Mythbusters fame, of course. Yeah, Mythbusters fame, and she uh, she's we should get her back on because she's a good project going called Project Explorer, which she's promoting. So I'm I'm going to talk to her. Get I'll get her on again. Um, maybe we'll be less drunk than the last time we all <laughs> that was the drunkest podcast I ever did. I'm going to go. Well, no, you know what? I'm going to say. Nancy Wilson. Nancy Wilson is the answer. She's I know. awesome. She's the best. She's awesome. I, I love, love Nancy, Nancy Wilson. Wilson. That's I'm, I, I, and, you know, of the yeah, there been some guests who starstruck me before, but Hart was that hit me right in the feels. Yeah, um, I will say one other nice thing about Nancy Wilson. So I'm a big fan of Pearl Jam, um, Pearl Jam Radio on Sirius XM. She did like her own little like storyteller kind of thing. Oh, of really? Her favorite songs. And she did a cover of Daughter. That's really good. Oh, wow. I, I bet I'd like it more than Pearl Jam's. You might. You might. It's definitely different. I would look for it. Um, I, 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 of, of, of the Seattle, of that moment, they, they were, I mean, I appreciate some Pearl Jam. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But they were not my favorites of them. Okay. Who, did, who were you? Them. Alice in Chains? Uh, I mean, obviously Nirvana. I mean, it goes without saying. But yes. I, did, I did like Alice in, I loved Alice in Chains. I loved, um, uh, I like Faith No More. I liked, I like Stone Temple Pilots. I, 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 there Stone Temple Pilots songs I really loved, and I liked um, Soundgarden. Okay, I mean I think Chris Cornell yeah, yeah. one of the best voices in rock and roll. So, but just Pearl Jam just never they just never hit you. Right I guess there. the music of it was just like it didn't it never it never touched me in an authentic way. Not that they're not authentic. It just didn't like hit me in the way that um. Uh, that those other bands did. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Um, here's my suggestion. And I don't know that this is, you know, I, I don't want to tell you how to do your business, but maybe if you checked out Pearl Jam on your Raycon earbuds, um, oh. you might, there might be different. I don't know. You know what? That leads me to a specific thought, specifically a commercial message. <laughs> I guess I should do it now, huh? Yeah, what the hell? Let's just do it live. Oh man, guys, I'm reading my first live ad without my uh, conspirator in chief, Jenny Johnson. Okay. I mean, it should be easy because I use this product, my Raycon earbuds. They are the most comfortable, best sounding, um, actually kind of sexy earbuds they're like i forget i have them in that's happened on several occasions um so now i'm going to read the copy i'm just going to do it i don't care do it what am i going to do improv with myself what am i phil hendry i can't do it <laughs> look there's so much going on in the world well there's stuff you're excited about give an example um ice dancing 
I don't know. I'm not really excited about ice dancing or stuff you'd rather not think about. Well, that's a big one. That's a lot of stuff, you know, stuff in the news, uh, divorce proceedings, all that. You can't always control those vibes, though, guy. You know, when, when you know, you can't you have no control over like your ups and downs. But here's the catch. You can always control the vibes in your head with a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds. I wear mine all the time in bed, out of bed near a bed, um, just within a hundred yards of a bed um, and, and other places not bed related. Um, um, look, whether you, use your, whether you use these to pump you up, uh, a little Hans and Franz there, wind down, work out, Raycons are my go-to for on-the-go audio. They really captured my voice with that one. And the new everyday earbuds look, feel, earbuds, Earbuds look, feel, and sound even better than ever with improved rubber oil look and feel and optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. These are impressive before you even start listening. Listen up, you get, you get three new sound profiles to make sure everything you're listening to sounds its best with just the right amount of bass. Pure mode, podcast listening, blues, instrumentals, balanced mode, podcast listening also. <laughs> I like that they have it twice. Rock, heavy metal, okay? And then bass mode, which is hip-hop, your EDM, your or your reggae. Also, there's an, you know this, there's an, I didn't, this was something I discovered late. Like I had them before I realized I had it and then I clicked it and it was amazing. There's this awareness mode for when you need to listen to your surroundings instead. Let's the world in. I don't use it that often. Raycons offer eight hours of playtime and 32-hour battery life. There's also a built-in mic, and you can take calls on your earbuds at the press of a button. Raycons start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And Raycons come with a 45-day happiness guarantee. I've never been happy for 45 days ever in a row. But I've been happy for several hundred days since I got my Raycons. Here's what I want you to do right now. Doing it listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash doing it. That's buyraycon.com slash doing it to save 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash doing it. Do it. People know me, know I'm a gambler, love to bet. I'm the guy who goes in the pool 20 minutes after eight. I don't give a fuck. Um, but can I say fuck in these ads? I don't know. Sure. I guess I can. Anyway, I want to talk to you about a place to bet. That is what they it has the crazy name bet online, bet online. It is what it's called. So we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another season of football. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. That's how I say football now. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus discount on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From boxing, basketball, football, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, 
Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts! Exclamation point. Welcome back to doing it with Danny, and that's it. <laughs> Jenny's not here. And, no, she's not. But it's weird. I, it's weird. A lot of times when she's on here, I think, man, what do we need that chick for? I can right. do this. Fuck! I think we've proven today. I cannot. No, you definitely need somebody to to carry you at the end of the yeah, day. I mean, you're 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 fine. I'm enjoying our conversation. I had lots of questions. Again, we've asked these questions before, but I think it's always good for for people who want to know. Aspiring comedy writers, right? If I'm here, here's the thing. I'm a young kid. I thought I was pretty funny, right? I was a funny kid in class, but I sure. never thought like, oh, I can actually what I could do with this is be a comedy writer, right? Sure. So younger kids listening, you're maybe you're even in your 20s and you're like, oh, maybe I can do what what a Danny Zucker has has done. Mm-hmm. Is there are there classes you can take or is there something that just is innate inside of a comedy writer that there are there intangibles that you know can't be learned? You know, I, I never like to say things can't be learned like this. I mean, I think like, you know, obviously there's certain athletic things like I will, I could train forever and I'm never going to, you know, be able to dunk. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, I believe it, I think it's certainly possible that it can be learned. I think it's harder to, I think it's not an easy skill to learn. And I would not, and I honestly, that aspect of it, I wouldn't know how to teach it. But, you know, I've worked with comedy writers um, one in particular, this guy, Dan O'Shannon, and he's been working since like cheers and just really good. And he will talk about himself. He says, I was not inherently funny. I studied comedy. He actually, we, we sometimes call him the professor. He wrote a book, an academic book on like the joke moment. And you should look it up. It's it, 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 look up Dan O'Shannon on, um, on, uh, on, uh, you know, on Amazon. I'll find the um, link. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll put the, we'll put the link up and it, I mean, it's dense and it's not, it's dry. It's a, it's, it really is a tome. So I get, there are ways to do it. And I, there's certainly like formulas and tropes you can fall into. And I can tell you what's bad about a joke a lot of the time. Okay. And, um, and what not is there a linear line though, to get to, a, to be a comedy writer? There's no linear line in all of show business. Maybe in fact, some I think people it was be- Dan O'Shannon. Yeah, Dan O'Shannon also, I think, and <laughs> using his, I'm quoting a lot of Dan, but he, he once described it in a way that I really like. He's like, you, it's a jungle and you're macheting your way through the undergrowth and you make your path through that jungle. And then that path closes behind you. And so oh, wow. the okay. next person has to find a completely different path. So, Interesting. So, and I think that that's really the case. You have to, con- the only thing you have control over is your writing though. So if you do want to write or you do, like if you want to write comedy, if you want to do stand-up, if you want to do those things, no one's stopping you. Write, perform, do that, get good. Because the fact is very few of us, first time out of the gate when we're starting out, out are going to be are going to be good. You know, you may be good for starting out, but you won't be good. There are always the exceptions that break that rule, but likely you're not one of them. I certainly wasn't. And, 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 but likely, you know, you know, you're, you're not one of them. So the only thing I can tell you is 
get good. And, and, and this is what, this is the other like encouraging news for comedy writers, especially like TV comedy writers. If you write something that is genuinely and objectively funny, and then you write something else on your own that is genuinely and um, objectively funny, you'll work. Not a lot of people can do it. Um, you know, when I've been hiring writers, you know, you start, I, I tell the story all the time, but the first show I ran, I had to hire writers. So the first thing we do is we hire our friends and upper level people. And you get down to the, where the, the, the end of the money where you can hire a staff writer, which is the lowest entry of a writer. Because that's where, and, and that's where you're taking a flyer on somebody, a young mm -hmm. writer. Maybe it's a writer's assistant or somebody else. And so what's happening is you're reading a bunch, piles and piles of spec scripts and pilots from unknown writers that have been sent by agents and whatnot. What happened when I was, I was staffing a show and two of my friends were also staffing a show and we've been through the same pile of a couple hundred scripts, you know, and inevitably all of us flagged the same four or five hmm. scripts in that pile as being people we would want to have meetings with because they stand out. Good comedy stands out. So my, you know, you know, you have to get a little bit lucky, but the, I always say like the hard, when you keep writing, like if you write a pilot, you're, you're writing that second thing, everything else that you're writing on your own is not preparation for your first job. It's preparation for your second job. Because if you don't, if you haven't honed your skills, when you get that shot, on the first job, there will be no second job. And it's hard enough to get a second job anyway. So be good enough that you shine when you get that opportunity coming through. And the only way you do that is by continuing to write. So is it a muscle? Is that what you're saying? Writing is a it muscle. It is. You get better. I mean, it's a muscle, it's a skill, it's like 10,000 hours. It's um you, you get more confident. You, you, you know, every time you write, and if you can, if you have good sounding boards in people in your life, you know, not people you're trying to get you to, to hire you, but people who can read it, who are smart yeah. and you can take criticism and you can th see things or you can defend things against criticism that feel right to you. But every time you do that, you're going to learn something. You're going to learn, you know what? I don't need to put a voice over there if I could just show it, or I don't need, I did use too many current references. That doesn't, that's not going to age well. Um, or, you know, I did do this easy joke that I've seen a thousand times. Like, or yeah. I saw that coming. Like, you're, you'll, start to, you'll start to sense it and you'll start to be able to fix your story better and it makes you better. I mean, I'm in the middle of writing a script. I'm going to get it done with this podcast right now um, fairly soon because I have to go, go finish it. But I'm better at it now than I was. I, I think I get better, at, a little better after every script. I mean, I'm, I get a little tired and more slow, but uh, I'm... <laughs> But my, my, my sense of story and comedy is, is stronger now than it's ever been. So, All right. Well, let's not keep you. Let's get to the meat and potatoes of the show. Yeah. What are you watching on TV? I got some things, too. You go I'm first, because I haven't watched okay. very much. Okay. You, well, you guys have talked about Squid Game, but like I just have to say again, I, I, I'm only on episode four, but I'm, I'm in love with Squid Game. I think it's amazing. Um, maybe some that you haven't that talked about, though. Let's see. Uh, have you seen the show Never Have I Ever on Netflix? I haven't, but I've heard of it. What? Tell me about it. I'm going to say it's, uh, and this is a poor way of, of describing. It. I'm going to say it's Rami meets Pen Fifteen, but oh, wow. you don't have, but you don't have to suspend disbelief. 
So I, I weirdly don't even suspend disbelief on Pen15. Even I like I I, I get I got into it. I get into it like this is how much I bought into it. I didn't I thought like oh I thought Anne looked Anna looked older. Like it was like that seemed like what but I did not know that um what's the um her name uh, um blanking yeah. but the other girl I did not know she wasn't in that grade. And so when she was doing these like there was the second episode was the masturbation episode. Mm-hmm. I became super uncomfortable because I thought you can't ask a young actress to do that. The producer in me felt like, and then right. I looked it up. It's like thirty three. It was like crazy. <laughs> okay, so you didn't. I see. I, the whole time I'm like, okay, they're I, really young girls. They're really, but but I love Pen Fifteen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is it's really it's a um, Indian girl, and uh, she loses her. Oh, father this is yeah. This is the this is the Mini Kaling show. Yes. Yeah. And it's really good. I watched. It's two seasons. I watched them both. The movies that made us is on Netflix. I don't know if you haven't seen any of those. I have seen a bunch of those. I like that a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of good good ones there. And then the third one I was going to say is, have you seen Reservation Dogs? I have not. I and mean, that's I, that's high on the list. Is it great? Really, really good. Uh, a former decently funny, my old podcast guest, Kirk Fox, is on there as well. I love but Kirk. It, it, yeah, he's great. He's a great character on there. And the show is fucking, like, it's just great. Yes, you have yeah, to see Reservation Dogs. I, I mean, well, if I can finish the script tonight, I'm going to watch that. It's like, a, you know, if you do, you'll probably watch like three episodes. It's that kind of show. Just binge wow. through it. All right, what do you got? I also, well, I, so cr- crazy enough, I watched the Squid Game through again. Just to, oh, wow. just, to, just to get it. I'm so sad you're on episode four because... Yeah. I can't wait to talk to you about episode five. How do you watch it? Are you a, do you watch with subtitles in Korean or subtitles in English? I decided because I'd heard that the subtitle situation and the dubbing, I, I heard it wasn't spectacular. Yeah. So I normally just like to keep it in Korean and use the subtitles. But because I heard this problem, I thought, let me hear two meanings at once. So I have it in, I, I have it English audio with English subtitles. And somewhere in there, I got, I, I, it hasn't like been, it, I, I wound up just getting to a rhythm with it. So it was mm-hmm. fine. But, um, but I, yeah, it's. On Korean audio and English subtitles. Yeah. I normally am that way too. There was something about it though. I felt like with this one and I, I, I think I watched an episode like that. Maybe mm-hmm. like, probably all of episode one. And I know some of the subtitles are weird, but so I, I wound up, but um, holy shit. It's so, so good. Great article on the creator of him uh, came out yesterday in uh hollywood reporter yeah it took him like what 10 years to make the, yeah. the movie that kind of thing yeah yeah and and then so yeah that's that's spectacular i can't wait to watch we get get a little further i'm can't wait for your reaction to that and then what did i watch i watched oh i watched like an hbo max documentary called 15 minutes of shame mm-hmm. about people who had been sort of publicly shamed on the internet and the, and it's like Monica Lewinsky is the um, narrator and one of the producers of it. And she comes to it. She oh, comes wow. to that, she comes oh, to that honestly. Yeah. And um, I she's think awesome. Huh? I mean, like she really, she's amazing. She's amazing. I mean, I do remember I, I started out writing late night comedy during this or, you know, fair. I, I was writing comedy right around this time or writing jokes at least. Um, of the time, I mean, I was actually, no, I was on, just shoot me, but like I was contributing jokes to something and it didn't even occur to me that people were piling on, except what I do, they, they show these clips of Leno doing it. And I remember thinking even then, mm-hmm. this is kind of mean to that girl. 
I, I, yeah. I did have a sense of it then. And he, he just went in a much meaner way with it. But it's like, I, I, yeah, I felt bad. You know, it's, it, made, it really does make you reevaluate. They, 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 they cover somebody, and I didn't comment on this. And in fact, I was like, but I was all ready to get my rage up. But the beginning, near the beginning of the pandemic, New York Times interviewed somebody who had been like stockpiling um, masks and cleaning supplies. Mm-hmm. And he was, his life was destroyed. And, um, and the story is not that cut and dried. Um, he didn't deserve this. And there's another story about a San Diego PSENG guy who was driving from a job, you know, um, from, from a job, just got, got, got a promotion, Latino, by the way, I'm going through, and finds himself in the middle of a Black Lives Matter rally. And as, as he's going, and, he, and basically he's outside of his truck, you know, just doing this with his fingers. Like he, he says, I have like a nervous habit where I just do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was just drumming them on the outside of his car. And it went down and he got down to like make that um, white supremacist. Oh, no. line. And this, and it was like, and somebody yelled at him. was like, no, I'm not doing that. What? And someone took a picture of it and it went viral and he was fired oh. from PSENG. And he's oh my gosh. Mexican-American. And his life was ruined. And it's like, oh my gosh. It's a, you know, the outrage culture of Twitter is like, it's, I, I mean, I backed away from Twitter considerably over the last yeah. year, partly for my own mental health. And I'll go back, but I just had to take a, I had to take a break because it was affecting me. I didn't, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't like it anymore. I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to feel the rage. I rate, you know, Trump wore us out like that. Yeah. Remember when Twitter was fun? <laughs> we were all trying to tell shitty jokes. And oh, sometimes yeah, we hit and sometimes we miss and it didn't matter. Like you weren't in yeah. trouble because you missed on a shitty joke. It was just like, you should take that down. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Good old so I don't know. I thought that was interesting. So I, I highly recommend 15 Minutes of Shame. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Is there anything else I watched that I liked? No, that's it. That's all, all I right. got. I I'll give know. you one more recommendation before we go here. It's a documentary called, because you mentioned documentaries, Three Identical Strangers. Have you heard oh, about I that saw one? it. That one is so so messed up. I don't even know. That if is a describe. messed up documentary. Holy yeah. shit! Yeah. If you haven't seen Three Identical Strangers, it's about three identical triplets who, in adulthood, pretty much accidentally find each other, and then and it's this wild story just of that. But the circumstances of their separation is that circumstance is so diabolical. Yes, I, I, that's all I'm going to say. It's like if you haven't seen Three Identical Strangers, see it. It's a, it's a, it's, it's spectacular. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And and the fact that I, I mean, for people who've seen it, I could just say this: there are people out there who might have somebody, right? Yeah, connected no, I know. They don't even know about. No, oh this my can, God. The, the scandal oh of it God. continues. Yes, I know. Terrifying. Insane. All okay. right, Danny, we did it. Thank you so much for your time. I think you were hey. awesome getting interviewed on doing, doing it. Oh, with Danny. I appreciate it, Guy. And I think it's nice that you got to talk without me shutting you down. And, uh, First time uh, ever. Yeah. And, uh, and, and what, you know, whatever Jenny is doing, you know, I hope she doesn't get arrested for it. <laughs> or, she wins an Oscar, or she wins an Oscar for it. Exactly. And uh, we will see you. It will be doing it with Danny and Jenny. In fact, I might just let her talk most of it. Uh, next week and uh, thanks for thanks for listening fresh fresh new episode next week thanks doing it nation I always want to say that alright talk to you later daddy bye